Glad to see you guys' faces. Uh, by the way, go ahead and get your Bibles to John 15. That's where we're going to be. Uh, while you do that, though, I'm going to give a little context for why I'm sharing today, what I'm sharing today, and how God's been leading me in this. So normally, when I know I'm going to have, you know, prepare a, spe- uh, a talk and, and stand up here and teach, I will take a ton of time to dive in and be, like, really meticulous. I love studying. I love learning. I love, you know, well, what was that in the Greek? What does this mean? I love you know, being able to take apart just, you know, every little thing, detail, detail, detail. And that's not, it's not a bad thing. It's a really good thing, in fact. But what I'll end up doing is I'll have my entire message basically typed out almost word for word, like, like a script, right, that you, you have to remember and read. Again, nothing wrong with that. That's a great thing. And I'll definitely do it again, but both in my personal life and then I think God's calling all of us to this corporately, he's been asking me to uh, slow down, spend more time with him, uh, spend a, a, more time in a relationship with him because, you know, in the context of this, you know, talks, having it all typed out is a certain level of, uh, of a security blanket of like, oh, I've already thought what I'm going to say. I've got my safety blanket here. I've got my safety blanket here. I can hide behind this thing. And that's, again, it's not bad, but it's not how God operates, really. God operates in our heart and then here and now. Because though I may not want to kind of ignore that or pretend it doesn't exist, writing it out makes me feel like, oh, I, I, I was clever about that. I, had, I made a good point. That really hit home. That was a real salient thought there. And God's way more about our heart than about me being clever or any one of us being clever. And so today, what we're going to do, we're going to, you know, I've got, got this, this passage you know, in, in mind, and I've been meditating it all, on it all week. But what we're going to do is kind of work through it together, spend some time with God. Because the whole point of this is about abiding, okay? That's what God's been calling me to, is abiding. And so it would make sense that if I'm going to talk about abiding, I'm going to abide in the things that like that I'm going to talk about. Now, I'm not going to go through the just, oh, here's my bullet points that I've hit. Okay. So that's the context. So today we're going to go through that together. John 15, 1 through 4. That's where we're going to start. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it be- may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I spoke to you, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So real quick, I want to share a story, a little, like a personal story, to set up what we're going to talk about. We're going to take a trip back to my senior year of high school, and start of the year, I had... I had like a, like a couple friends that like we just rolled together. That, like, that was my buddies. I'd known them forever. We were tight. Awesome. Senior year happens and this, um, just a split happens. We, we start drifting apart. You know, I think I was, if I'm being honest with myself, I was ready. I was ready to go to Austin. I had already been accepted to school. I was, I kind of had one foot out the door. I just don't think that's where they were. We were all, you know, doing this and diverging. And so naturally we, you know, stopped hanging out less. And I found myself at the beginning of the year going, whoa, I have, you know, What's going on here? I, I, I don't know anybody around here. This, this feels so weird. And I found this awesome group of friends, okay? And they were, they were a year younger than I. They were all juniors. But they're like, hey, Garrett, you know, because we started playing music together. They're like, hey, dude, you should come on Sunday nights 
to this youth group that we have? Is it the Browns house? That's Impact's youth group. And I was like, cool, man, that sounds great. Uh, uh, so they kind of wrote me in with playing music. And if you've heard this story, please forgive me because I'm going to say it again. But as I spent more time there, it became, I, I was spending way less time there because I wanted to play music and hang out with my friends and way more time because I was like, whoa, there's something to this. This, this, this Jesus thing's kind of hit me hard. And, and you can't explain it. You know that. Every, anybody who's ever had that experience, it's just so profound and overwhelming that you can't help but, but operate in it. And so it just, man, it just started becoming incredible. And, you know, six months-ish later, we were here at a night of worship in this building, literally right here by this staircase. Didn't look like this at the time, but right there by that staircase. And that was the moment that I gave my life to Christ. And I was like, man, I'm here for you. I, I, I'm pursuing you. Uh, you take all of me, let's go. Like, I'm ready to roll. And uh, what it, it, it is such a pivotal time, all these changes. You know, God, God had me. I had these awesome friends. I had, you know, a really great time that last senior year. Okay, so then fast forward. It is the night before I'm going to drive away. I, I'm going to Austin the next day, cars loaded. Um, we're ready, you know, I'm ready to go. So I go to my friend's house, uh, Zach, and we're at Zach's house, and we're hanging out, we're watching TV, whatever we're doing in 2007, and and it gets to be kind of late-ish, and I go, hey, Zach, I got to go, man, I got, you know, love you, bro, but I got to, I got to head out, he's like, cool, so out the door, and I remember just going to my car that was parked outside, it was on Arcadia Loop, they had a rent house there, and I sat in my car, and I just bawled my eyes out. I mean, I cried so hard for a while, in fact. I couldn't even start the car. And it uh, finally kind of gained my composure, fired up, drive home. And it started, when I realized it started hitting me all at once, the gravity of what was happening. I was losing all my, or not losing all my friends, but everything was changing. I, all all my, my structures and my people that I was used to were all about to go away. I, I was going to have to find new friends and new patterns and new church. New, and I was like, just the, the, under, uh, the overwhelming gravity of it all hit me. And I think, you know, if we're honest, some guys, we can be ten, uh, prone to doing that where we put off the emotional until the last moment it hits us. And, whoa, you know, and that's what it did. It hit me really hard. And so fire up, go to the house, sleep, boom. We're, we're in Austin then and we're... we're uh, Get me moved in. So the way it worked out, I had I moved in literally the week before the weekend before school starts. So the whole family comes up. It's awesome. We spend time together. We go eating food. There was all kinds of fun stuff happening. Welcome to school. Yada yada yada. And then it becomes Sunday afternoonish, and it's time for the family to go. Okay. So paint the picture. I'm standing here, and there's a curb right here, and there's like a, a circle driveway. Dorms behind me. And all, all the family's like, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go get the car. We'll swing it around, and we'll say bye to you then. Okay, and I promise this will be a funny story. It's not going to sound like it at first. They, they go to the car. Everybody loads up. It's my dad's truck. Boom, they back out, and they come around, and they're, like, getting right out in front of me. And then, whoa, and they just take off <laughs> and keep going. And it's not like they did another lap and came back around. Nope, they just sailed off in the distance. And I'm just, <laughs> I remember just standing there going, oh, I guess that's how it goes. And just turned around and went to, to my dorm. Uh, okay, so backstory though. They call me later and they're like, well, and the dad called me. He's like, 
but I'm so sorry. Uh, we pulled up around the front. We were going to hop out, and your mom just starts bawling. It's like, I got to see my baby. I got to. <laughs> we take off. So why, why, is, why is that important? <laughs> it's the first time that I started to realize that I was completely dependent on these people, on these structures, on these things that I was comfortable with, that I knew that I was like, oh, I, I can operate in that because I know it. The reality is that we all long for that type of intimacy, that closeness, the oneness. We, you know, we want to feel like we're cared for, that we're understood, that we're known, that we're loved for who we are, not what we can do. We want relationships where we can just be totally honest. We don't have to lie about who we are, what we've done. We don't have to feel bad or fear for being less than or being poor, whatever it may be, you know. We seek that in the eyes of others. And we struggle, though, with acceptance and affirmation of people because the reality is that stems from a, a belief that we're only lovable when we're good, when we're doing good. And that's not the way God operates, and that's the point. That when we're seeking intimacy and relationship with God, he's not looking at it from a lens of what can you do for me? Where have you messed up before? Let me, let me lord that over you. He looks at it from a place of, I love you so much that I accept you just as you are. In fact, I'm going to be right here waiting for you, however long it takes. And if we want to have that sort of intimacy here on, on earth with our people, friends, dogs, wherever it may be, to change the atmosphere, to bring the kingdom of God, that starts with Jesus. That we have to have that kind of intimacy with Christ first. Because if we can't get that intimacy with Christ I promise you it's going to be really difficult when we go to do it with the imperfect people in this room. Because relationship with Christ is mutual. It's, it's, it's a continued connection, give and take, right? What does he say there? Abide in me and I in you. Not only does Christ, or not only do we abide in Christ, he abides in us. And that's, that's actually a, an insane sentence when you think about it, that we get this unbelievable gift that is more valuable than anything you can ever think of, doesn't actually have a value. We get it freely, and it's within us, all of us, every single one of us. When we accept Christ, boom, we've got it right then and there. That, that's just kind of mind-blowing. I want you to sit and think about that all week, because I've been thinking about it all week, and it's still kind of just insane to think about how, how, insane, how large that gift is and how valuable that gift is. But when we talk about abiding in Christ, working on a relationship with Christ, there's got to be a little bit of a sequence to it. And so to be clear, I'm not going to say, oh, there's an equation, because there's not an equation. There's not a formula to get to Christ. If that were true, somebody would have figured it out. We could all follow it. It'd be easy. That's not, that's not true. We all have different lives, different paths, different variables, different ways we talk to God, right? So we can't assume that there's only one way. That's not the way it works. But there is a certain sequence Okay, order of operations that, that, that requires us to get there. Okay, so right now, I'm currently learning and practicing how to rock climb. We have a trip coming up that requires it, so uh, we've just been spending time in it. And it's, you know, both to understand how to do it, but to help me get over fear of heights. And so what I've learned while rock climbing is two things. First one is that you, you'd think it's all about physical strength, 
How, how, you know, how strong am I? Can I physically hold myself up, pull myself up the wall? And to some degree it is, that's very true. But the reality is, that's a very small portion of it. A lot of it ends up being up here in your head. It's, you, have, you have to find confidence to be able to make moves and not freeze up. Okay, now, on the rock wall, it's, all, you know, it's, it's just me. When we walk with God, we draw all our strength and courage from him. Not one person in this room has the ability to say, oh, I can just pull that out of me and, and be strong and, and, and go to God. It doesn't exist. Because if that were the case, that person could say, I'm greater than any person in the world. I don't need God. See, I've got it already within me. I just have to bring it out of me. And God did not design it that way. He designed it so that we are in totally incapable of, of completing the tasks that he asked for us without him. Right? He gives us all gifts. Everybody in this room has a unique gift, a unique calling, things that make them special, very talented, and they can operate in those, but the reality is it will not get you all the way. It won't get anybody in the room all the way. We need Christ. We need that strength from him. And so you've got this confidence and this courage that we pull from Christ. And the second part of that is the sequence bit, okay? So when you look at a wall, now, that's, you can be indoors, like I'm sure you've seen pictures of, uh, you know, indoor walls where they have like the fake rock climbing holes, and then in the real world, there's a, there's a giant rock face. It's got holds on it, and every route has a perfect sequence. That is, it, it's like a precise number of, okay, you put your left foot here, this hold here, this hold here. Everyone has a, a, a perfect sequence, but they all have varying sequences. There's, there's, there's multiple ways to get up the route, you know, and that's, a lot of, you know, I'm learning this currently is that as a beginner, you try and muscle weight your way up. You don't really think about the, oh, I, I, I should take my time and find this sequence because you're just like, oh, I, I get up the thing. What you find is that even when you look at the base of it, you can only see a certain por portion of the sequence. There's another 30, 35 meters up ahead of you you can't see that is, that is going to continue and that you're going to have to figure out as you're up there but you can't know it on the ground. You're only going to know when it's, you know, within body's range of where you're at. And that, and that takes a certain level of, of, of slowing yourself down and focusing on that very sequence. Now, to relate that back to what Jesus is trying to talk to us, I'm going to read a passage, a quick paragraph from this book, Birthing the Miraculous. It's a Heidi Baker book. So I think it sums it up pretty well. It says, in this life... We can run ourselves to exhaustion doing more and more things for God without ever understanding what he really desires from us. God longs to increase our appetite for himself. If we will eat and drink of him, he will bring us into a relationship that will transform us into his likeness. We will begin to eat and drink of Jesus so deeply every day that we will no longer grow weary or get exhausted as we run the race. We will learn to simply live in the secret place of his heart continually. She goes on to say further, people often ask what the secret to sustainability is. The secret place is the secret. We have to live there. As we abide in the presence of the Lord, our hunger increases and we find ourselves birthing glorious new life. Man, that, I mean, when I read that, it just struck me. It just sums it up so well of the fact that we cannot be out of sequence with God and expect to produce anything of true kingdom value. In John 15, five through eight, it says a little further, it looks, about, it looks into um, 
what we're called to, to with Jesus in himself. It says, I am the, this is five through eight. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. We are incapable. We cannot create the type of fruitfulness that God creates on our own. We can't, you know, look at all the, the parts and say, oh, I could do that myself and build that up. Oh, I can make fruit. And I, I, if I get out of sequence, I, it doesn't matter. I still know how to make fruit. And yeah, we can make fruit to some regard. That's the crazy thing about it. God gives us our gifts freely, gives us the free will to use them. We can operate out of sequence with him. We can operate out of our, our, our calling with him and still use them and produce fruit. But the fruit I'm talking about here, the kind that God creates, kingdom fruit, only comes from the source. That's the only way you can get it. We have to be tapped into the vine there. Otherwise, we lose it. And when we surrender our lives this way, when we abide in him, God doesn't allow the dead things to remain in us. Okay, so I want you to think about that. You know, we come to him, and when we start pursuing him and spending time with him, all the things that we thought maybe were something special to us are like, oh, that's definitely a part of my life. I have to have that. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. We don't know until we get there in that, that special secret time with God, and he starts saying, whoa, hey, let's remove that thing out of there. Let's cut that out. Let's, let's burn this off. Because, I don't know some, you know, some translations will tell you it's about, you know, they'll use the word pruning there. I want you to think about the word. Pruning's not great if you really think about it. That could be construed as, oh, it's kind of harsh. You're cutting off pieces of me. You know, like no plants ever jazz to get pruned. You're getting cut up. But the reality is, if you think about it, okay, do you have any, where's Pam, is Pam here? Any, any gardeners who are really top tier know what they're doing, okay? And I want you to think about it, if you, if you know one, they have a beautiful garden, it produces fruit, it produces vegetables, beautiful flowers, whatever it may be. Those people are incredibly careful and caring and loving with their plants. They're not just flippantly cutting and chopping stuff up and I don't care. They take so much time and care because they know that that care is going to produce so much more fruit, so much more beauty out of these things. And that's what, that's what God's doing. In, in a small little window of how God is, he has that much care for us. He, he knows it's going to hurt and he knows we've got to get that cut out of our life and removed, but he knows down the road that's going to produce fruit for us and abundant fruit and kingdom fruit, not fake fruit, the real stuff. Because when we allow ourselves to be pruned by God, we get invited deeper and deeper and deeper into intimacy with him. And that's why when we spend more time with God, when we go deeper with God, our dreams, our visions, they begin to align with God's. Because what's happening is, as we spend more time there, we st we, when you come to that place, you have to leave all of our fake desires, our fake wants behind us. They don't exist there in that time with God. And, and you know this if you've spent any time with Jesus, that that feeling is like, oh, i, I got to leave that stuff back there. I only want more of you. What have you got? 
And it starts to align, right? What does it say there? Uh, let's see. Back in verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. That's not like carte blanche. I'm going to give you whatever you want. You get a BMW, you get a million dollars. It's not what he's talking about. He's talking about when you spend time with me and your desires begin to become, become like mine, I'll give you all of those and then some. Because he's got great plans for us. Every single person in this room, he's got amazing plans for us that will not only transform us, but transform those around us. And that's the point. You know, that we become people who change the atmosphere, that we are a part of God's kingdom here on the planet, bringing it here. Because in that place of abiding, like our holy, secret time with Jesus, we find out our real motives and our real desires. And it's these pure desires that God wants to fulfill in us. And, you know, I want to, real quick, you know, I, I'm reading the word, the, the, I, I'm reading now the New King James Version because it says abide. New ones probably say something to the effect of like rest or something. Okay, but let's, I want to look at that real fast. The word abide is, is what they call an intransitive verb. We're not going to go into grammar. That's just the name for it. What that means is it's, it's not a verb to something, right? It's right here. It's a state of being resting, spending time with God. And what's crazy about that is it's a choice. It's not a, a, a requisite. We choose to abide in God. We're not forced to. That's how cool God is. He doesn't force us. How amazing is that? He lets us choose. And when we choose to spend that time of rest, when we abide in God, man, that's, uh, abide in Jesus rather, we can become more and more like him and think like him. Because here's the reality. Here, I, I was thinking about this um, Friday morning, you know, the Bible tells us, you know, and God says it in his word that his ways are not our ways. He's above us. We can't ever think like God. It's impossible. If, if we could, if anybody in this room could think like God, they would be God. Amazing. It's like, so the logic problem falls apart there. What we can, though, and what we're capable of and what we're called to is to think and be like Jesus. We can do that. That's pretty amazing because we get this perfect example of a, of of God's Son coming down in human form, in Jesus, in Christ, so that, A, we could be saved, but B, we could have that model. And that's amazing. When you, really th and when you think about what we're called to, to be like Christ, as we spend more time with Him, we become more and more like Him. You can't help it. You know this. You've had friends before or acquaintances or family that, whether good or bad, you spent time around them, you became more like them. Subtle ways, you also see how you rub off onto other people that you, know, you start spending time with and they start saying things that you say or maybe they do mannerisms. Uh, maybe they don't, you know. But the point being that when we abide in him, we can't help but become more like him. And that's the goal. That's really what we're after because when we do that, we start bringing heaven to earth. We start being a part of what we were designed to be. You know, in Matthew 6, what does it say? Seek the kingdom above all else so that these things be done, be done for you. We can't get that, again, out of sequence. We can't manipulate our relationship with God. It's so easy to say, oh, I want the fruit first, so let me chase after the fruit, and then maybe afterwards I'll start to become like God. doesn't work that way, does it? Seek first the kingdom above all else. Not seek first the fruit, and then maybe you'll get the kingdom by proxy. So you can't do that. We can't manipulate God and seek the kingdom for the sake of getting fruit. Doesn't work that way either, right? Because then what we're doing is 
We're assuming we know something and we're trying to dictate how God's gonna behave it. See, God, I had a plan and if you'll just partner with me and do exactly what my plan is, it'll be great. And then he laughs and he chuckles like any of us would with our kids. I can think of a million ideas that Mason's come up with that you're like, buddy, it's not gonna cut it. All right, this is how it's really gonna go. But when we seek the kingdom above all else, not for what it gets for us, not what um, it, it, can, it, can, it can give us, but rather how we can serve, how we can love, how we can have the mind of Christ. That's what we're after, the mind of Christ. And that's what abiding does for us. It, it allows us to, um, to have that time with him. And it's amazing because it, abiding's not, you know, we tend to be like, oh, I, I can only abide when the, the settings are just right. I've got my, you know, it's, it's so, you know, a lot of people, you know, if it's quiet in the morning, it makes sense, obviously, but the reality is it doesn't have to be the morning. It doesn't have to be when uh, it's, everything's perfect and it's quiet and the birds are chirping and I've got my coffee and I've got my devotional. All right, God, we can spend time together. It's not what that's talking about. That's part of it, don't get me wrong, but he's really calling us to be in literally step by step with him relationship. That's the type of abiding the rest in him because then it's not on us. We don't, you know, as I talked about earlier, we don't have the ability to just pull out within us and find the strength and courage to accomplish the things we need. We need God. So the more we spend that time with him, the more these things start to um, occur and, and, and things shift. And that's what we're called to as a body, as individuals, but as a body. When, you know, the, the number of people in this room, when we do that, when we all start doing that, you watch how much the atmosphere in this building changes, how much the atmosphere in this town changes, how much the atmosphere in this city changes. We start throwing away all the garbage that we think we want. Oh, that would be great for Garrett. That'd be great for so-and-so. That'd be great for whatever. We get rid of that. We find a real, real goals, real desires, real loves of God. Then we're onto something. And you watch, you, you know, we talk about these revivals happening in you in Asbury. That's those incredible things. It's just as possible right here in each one of us. And it's not only does it happen there, and it, 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 keep, it continues on when we spend that type of time with God because that's what he's calling us to. You know, as a final thought, I just want to, uh, I want us to feel like we can be more comfortable in approaching approaching him and stepping away from our comfort zones. That's the whole point. You know, I talked about the context earlier. That's for me personally, getting away from the comfort of that, getting away from the scripted things so that we can operate, I can operate more in what he's got to say right now to all of us. And he's calling all of us to that. He's calling all of us to surrender and say, okay, God, what do you want from me and how can I do that? Like, you, you, you show me where I need to go, what I need to do, open up the door, and you'd be amazed. Ask, seek, knock. He'll answer the door, all, all, you know, every time. And um, it's just a call for us as a body, the people in this room and the people listening as well, to do that very thing, to be bold, to trust God, and then ultimately to abide in Christ so that we can become more like him. Let's pray. God, we just, uh, we lift this up to you. We, we, we pray that we are people who are willing to run the race with intensity and that we know we need you to do it. 
I pray that all the opportunities that you have for us, the plans that you have for us are just abundantly clear that when we spend our time with you, when we abide in you, there's no question marks. There's no lost, I don't know the plan. Your plans are perfect. And when we'll, we'll slow ourselves down, we know we'll get those downloads. I pray that it, it meetings all over the area this morning, you are touching people's lives, that you are reaching out to those who feel like they, they've gotten lost from you, that they've never known you, that they want a piece of that. I, I pray that those folks rush to you and that as you embrace them, they, they feel that love instantaneously and it changes their life. Because that's, that's the beauty of what you are. Your love is so profound and so life-changing that if you'd only just get a hold of it for a second, it, it would transform your life and those around you. And I pray that we're people who share that. We don't hide the lamp. We let it shine out. We let your glory shine out. We let your reflection in us tell people, whoa, I've got to have a piece of that. That's incredible. Not because we're cool. We're not cool. You're cool. And God, I just pray that as we go out in the week, we, we, we take the time to slow down and be with you. We don't get worried about the details and the nitpickies and those will sort themselves out. Yes, we got to do those, but that we slow down and ask you about all of them. You want to know every aspect of our life. You want to know and be a part of every aspect of our life. And you've got awesome things for us. Lord, I pray safety over Dave and Cindy as they fly back. And I pray that, that she just has a wonderful birthday. I pray for Sharon. I pray for the entire Barnett family that they just be comforted right now. Lord, we just, we love every bit of time we get with you and we want more. We lift up all of these things in your son's precious name. Amen.